Hello and welcome to the Top Order Podcast. Today we're joined by Captain of the White Ferns and the Scorchers and the Tornadoes and uh, perhaps most importantly, former fill-in for the Ricketon Cricket Club third grade side, uh, Sophie Devine. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us, guys. So, Sophie, how's it all going over there? You're in the UK now, warm-up game yesterday. Seemed like, uh, from the highlights I've seen, seemed like it was coming off the bat pretty nicely. Yeah, look, it's been great. We've been um, basing ourselves at a, a school in Millfield, which is... Yeah, pretty ridiculous setup there with um, a, a fantastic cricket ground and the wicket's been an absolute belter. So to be able to be here, I think we've been here for about the last 10 days now. It's been outstanding, obviously probably you know not the results we won with the warm-up games, but we've certainly been trialling out a whole lot of different things. And, and as well, obviously, it's Ben's first time in charge of this group, so there's always going to be, I guess, a bit of a period where um, we're just trying to figure each other out. But uh, I think there's really promising signs and, and nice to get a few out of the middle the other day. And and how excited are you personally to be in the games environment? I know you're incredibly close to making it to the Olympics with your hockey. I mean, yeah, is this a bigger buzz than I guess a, a normal tournament would be? Yeah, it's certainly got a, a different feel to it. I think, um, geez, I never thought I'd be going to the Com Games as a as a cricket player. That's for sure. But uh, it is. It's a really mm. unique experience and one that we're really proud to be able to do obviously the first women's cricket team to be able to go and, and to make a bit of history in that regards pretty special um, but as well I guess at the end of the day cricket's cricket isn't it um, whether it's a world cup whether it's a, a domestic game whether it's a commonwealth games uh, it's a bat v ball so we're going to make sure that we take it take it back to basics like that but certainly a massive opportunity to represent I guess New Zealand. When do you get into the Athletes' Village? This is the question that I always wanted to, to ask people who, who get to go to big tournaments like the Olympics or the Com Games. When do you get into the village and get in amongst all the other athletes? Do you get to stay in the village as part of the Com Games experience or are the cricketers sort of in their own accommodations? Yeah, it's been a, a, apparently, I guess, with this being our first ever, I guess, time at a big games, um, it's all new to us as well. But from what I understand, it's slightly different to previous games, both Olympic and Commonwealth, and that's probably been slightly impacted by COVID, which has been great for everyone, hasn't it? But um, mm. there, there's actually five, I guess, accommodations set up. So we're in one of the five based closer to Edgebaston, actually. So I think cricket and the beach volleyballers, I believe, uh, are in that um, hotel set up. But we travel on Monday afternoon and, and get ourselves into the village. And then with the scheduling, we've actually got a couple of days off where we can just get in amongst I guess everyone else and and take it all in which I think is a really important part because I know there's going to be a few of us that are pretty excited to to get around and see what all the hype is about and then obviously we want to knuckle down and, and get into business so yeah look it's really exciting um so so Monday afternoon is a big day for us. And how influential has Susie Bates been being part of that squad? Obviously, having been at Beijing in 2008, has she been able to sort of calm the nerves and, and get everyone excited at the right times and sort of guide you through the whole process of getting ready for the for the Com Games? Yeah, and she's really done well to drop a whole lot of names in as well, which is great about who she bumped <laughs> into, you know, LeBron and whatever else. So, um, no, it's cool. It's been really awesome to have someone of her experience, I guess, who's been to something similar to this before, although it was a couple of years ago now. And we actually um, were up in Tauranga before we left at a camp and some of the Rugby Sevens girls came in and, and just had a quick chat to us around their experience as well of playing at Olympics and Commonwealth Games. And it's just really valuable to be able to hear their thoughts around it and, and I guess making sure that you really embrace the game's culture, which I think is um, going to be a big part of it. But at the end of the day, like I said, it's a competition and, and that's what you're there for. You're there to win medals. So um, making sure you get that balance right of 
embracing what it is, but also being there to, to do the business. New coach, new players in this White Fern squad for the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham in four or five days' time. Can you tell us a little bit about Ben Sawyer? He was involved in the Australian coaching setup for a wee while there, but possibly a name that many of our New Zealand listeners might not be all that familiar with. What can you tell us about the introduction of Ben Sawyer into this White Fern setup? Oh, look, he's been outstanding. I think he's certainly jumped straight into it. He's, he's extremely well prepared. I think he's, he's got a teaching background, so he's extremely well planned and really well organised, which I think has been really nice to see. And he'll be the first to admit that he loves, I guess, the, the technical side, but also the analysis side of things. So his scouting of opposition is going to be a real strength of his that he'll bring to this side in terms of the level of information that he can bring to us. And even within the first couple of camps, I mean, he was talking especially to me and Susie around how he'd bowl against us, which is a real different perspective, I guess, because when we sort of think about it, you think about your own game, but he was sort of coming from having worked in the Australian setup for a couple of years now. Um, he was saying, look, this is what we're trying to do. This is what we saw. This is how I would scout you. So it was a really interesting perspective and, and certainly something that's probably changed a little bit of our thinking around how we, I guess, are perceived and, and where our strengths and weaknesses lie. So that's been fantastic and obviously him coming from the the Australian environment it's obviously a, a very much a, a winning culture over there so to bring that in as well there's really high expectations of you know what we can do but he's certainly really excited about the group that we've got we've obviously got a fair new fair new faces um, in the group uh, but yeah look really excited to, to get working alongside Ben. Yeah, a few new changes to that White Fern squad, I should say. In the build-up to the T20 World Cup, we spoke to one of the players in that White Fern side for that tournament, and we got a hint that New Zealand might have done something a little bit different in there. Is there anything that you can sort of let loose in terms of maybe something different that the White Ferns might do leading into this tournament, um, or are we expected to see you know the big names you know at the top of the order and 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 the same kind of setup that we've seen at the T20 World Cup? Yeah, look, we've probably got a couple of things up our sleeve that we're sort of still juggling around with a little bit. Um, obviously, we haven't played since the Home World Cup, which was, what, three or four months ago now. So um, that's why these warm-up games have been really important, to give everyone a crack. And, and I guess Ben and myself have got a few ideas up our sleeves that we think could be really effective. I think we've got a slight advantage in the, in the fact that Ben actually coached at the Birmingham Phoenix last year at the 100. So that's where the Commonwealth Games is based for us at Edgebaston. So to have that local knowledge of the ground and conditions is going to be, I think, really important. And that might it might potentially, I guess, um, dictate the balance of the squad, whether that's more pace, whether that's more seam, whether we think we need uh, spin or you know whether we think we need a few more batters in there. So... I think we've got some some ideas, um, but we'll just see how it plays out. Is it a bit of a different atmosphere now? Katie Martin's no longer behind the stumps. Is that fielding um, atmosphere a, a little bit different, a little bit quieter perhaps now without her, her behind the sticks? Yeah, look, it is, it is a little bit quieter, and the changing room is a hell of a lot tidier as well, funnily <laughs> enough, now that she's... Um, that she's moved on. But, yeah, look, look, it's really exciting. Obviously, Izzy Gaze and Jess McFadden coming in to, I guess, take over that wicket-keeping role. And we know how important wicket-keepers are in the team. I mean, they're the, I think they're the heartbeat of the team. Um, they really drive the the energy in the field. So they've got a big, big shoes to fill. I mean, I know Katie was about three foot six, but, um, you know, <laughs> she, she's she's left a big hole to fill. But it's really exciting for those two players to come in and, and make their mark. I think, it, again, it's part of the exciting changes that have been made to this group is now people have got a real opportunity to step up and you know make that position their own.
Your pool in particular looks pretty strong, doesn't it? I mean, opening against South Africa, then you've got Sri Lanka, and then finally England to round out pool play. Have you set any goals as a squad? I mean, you mentioned medals before, which would be fantastic. Is that what you're eyeing up in this Commonwealth Games, to come away with some some a medal of some, some description? Yeah, look, we haven't probably exclusively spoken as a group around our goals, but any time we put on the New Zealand shirt, we want to win. It doesn't matter where we are, what competition we're playing, and we want to win games of cricket, and, and that's no different here. And obviously, to win a medal, um, normally it's a trophy that you're after, but to, to certainly try to win a medal is, is our aim here. And we know that you know we have got a lot of new faces, and we probably are in a little bit of a transition phase um, with a few older players moving on. So look, we've got to be realistic, and like you say, our comp- our, our pool is is incredibly strong, and, and so is the other pool. So every game is is going to be you know, really hardly fought and um, it, it does, it just makes for an exciting challenge for us is that we know that we're going to have to be on top of our game from the first ball. I mean, as you say, South Africa first up and, and we know how strong they are as a side. They've probably been the dark horse for the last couple of years now, but they've been consistently reaching the semis and finals of of big tournaments. So um, it's a great way to start our campaign. And how's how's Mealy Kerr doing? Is she uh, recovering well? Is, is you know can we kind of expect her to be back for that first game? Yes, yeah, certainly. Fingers crossed that she'll be right for that first game. I think she's nearing the end of her isolation nice. period. I think, yeah. Look, it's just part and parcel now of of any tour and, and the yeah. world that we live in that people are going to pick up COVID. And for us, it's just about making sure that we follow those protocols that are set in place to to keep everyone safe and healthy. So she's doing really well. She's had about a million drop-offs at her door and, um, you know, I think she owes a fair few bucks to a few different people um, with the coffee and whatnot. But uh, that's something that's really important to us as well, though, is um, that we get around people that are, you know, have been struck down by COVID and are having to isolate by themselves because it's never nice. I mean, we've all been through our fair share of, you know, managed isolation and quarantines and, and whatnot, and we know how tricky it can be sometimes so it's been a real goal of ours as a team to show that care that we get in behind her and and help out obviously from a distance with masks on and and whatever else but we stay in touch with her so yeah fingers crossed she's absolutely yeah rearing it yeah rearing to go she's um hard to hold back at the best of times so I'm sure she'll be out and firing when she's let free Nice, nice. That's good news. Look, I'm hoping we can kind of step away from the games just for a minute to talk about the New Zealand pay deal recent one. Hopefully kind of the positives of the equality side of it all goes without saying, but I'm actually really interested to pick your brains about the difference it'll make sort of in practical terms because, you know, you look at those domestic contracts before they were in like the $3,000 range. Now there's a chance domestic contract players can earn up to eighteen, nineteen thousand, which obviously still isn't a huge amount. But you know, is that kind of the difference between some players actually being able to commit the entire summer to cricket? And I'm sure there's probably a lot more impacts that that aren't obvious to someone like me just looking at that press release and, and seeing all the numbers. Yeah, look, there's probably a few different areas, and, and you're exactly right. There's probably a few things that. I guess the general public wouldn't pick up on the importance of absolutely there's the money and and I think about the domestic players and how it's really going to benefit them and look it might be small things it might be look I can take a couple of hours off in the afternoon so I can go to the gym a bit earlier rather than having to you know get there at 5am in the morning then do a full day's work you know those little things can make a big difference and just take a little bit of stress off I guess those domestic players that are trying to juggle both and, and that's another really important part I guess of the agreement is that we understand that that money isn't going to 
change their lives. It's not going to, you know, so we have to allow people to still be able to go and earn money and, and have a full-time job and, and, and do that. So it's really important that there's that balance, but having that little bit more in the pocket is, is certainly going to hopefully take a little bit of pressure off those players to, whether it's a couple of hours here or there, or to be able to buy equipment or anything like that. I think anything that can help take the stress off those players is going to be a real advantage. But probably the biggest thing for me is the support that's going to be wrapped around the players from the Players Association, which I think is a huge thing. You're looking at insurance, you're looking at mental health and well-being support. Um, player development managers are now going to be available to all those domestic players, and they are huge, I think. Um, they probably go behind the scenes a little bit, but they're something that I know, as a White Ferns group, um, have been a massive advantage to have people full-time um, accessible to you to be able to talk about anything. I, I guess that's a great thing. It's not just about work-life balance it could be about your mental health your well-being it could be about finance it could be absolutely anything and to have someone like that the players association who are there for you is huge so the investment that's been put into that um, to help support the domestic players in particular who are probably the ones that need it even more than potentially the international players um, is going to be massive so look the pay is great and and it's um, you know it's certainly not the you know the final step we hopefully that this is you know, part of the journey and, we'll, and it'll keep increasing. But for me, it is. It's that off-field stuff that I think is going to make a, make a big difference. Yeah, because how many professional cricketers would there be in the women's game in, in New Zealand? Is it is it just purely the White Ferns? Yeah, and look, if I'm being completely honest, even then, um, you're looking at the lower contracted players and if you're not playing games, even with this new agreement, if you're not playing games, you know, and you're only on the retainer, it's minimum wage, um, but obviously it's a full-time commitment. So, look, there's still, you know, like I say, there's still a way to go in that, but it's this is a huge step forward um, for a lot of us, and it's a genuine career path now. Again, I, I know I've spoken about it a bit in the media around the agreement, but, you know, when I first started playing, you're getting 30 bucks, you know, a day. So to think yeah. where we've got to now is huge. And, um, you know, I guess I've been really fortunate that for most of my career with the White Ferns, I guess I've considered myself a professional player, but you know that's been supplemented by opportunities playing in Australia, playing in England, um, to yeah, I guess help support that that retainer from New Zealand cricket. But yeah, look, I think certainly there's more female cricketers being able to invest more time and effort into their game, which at the end it's going to be of huge benefit to the White Fins group. Um, on the international scene because you know we need more cricketers depth things like that when you're competing against the likes of India when there's what a billion people <laughs> playing um, and you sort of think there's little old New Zealand with five million of us I think that's you know that's Mumbai um, for, for India so uh, <laughs> look I think this is this is going to be huge for us and we might not see the effect straight away this might take a bit of time but certainly you've got to lay the foundations first. Do you feel like this is a move? And, sorry, Stu. Do you feel like this is a move that is actually going to move the needle for young women looking at potentially going? I'm, I'm reasonably good at cricket. I've got a few options. I've got football. I've got basketball. I've got maybe sevens rugby, and I've got cricket now as an option. Do you think that this deal by itself moves the needle for those girls, those young ladies, to to pursue a pathway in cricket, or is there still a lot more work to be done to convince or, or provide those pathways for those those young girls to go from? high school cricket to club cricket and then to, you know, first-class cricket and ultimately the White Ferns? Yeah, look, it's, it's a great point and, and I th certainly think it, it will shift the needle. I think 
you're going to see hopefully more more females, young females looking at careers, at, looking at cricket as a genuine career option. And I think now in New Zealand we'll probably be the, the best paid female athletes. Um, when you look at the agreement that's just been announced, which is really exciting, and, and I guess that's sort of a little bit of my spiel to to younger athletes. And I guess I can speak from experience <laughs> because you know I was playing hockey and cricket and wanted to you know be an All Black when I was younger and, and everything like that. And it's a really common occurrence with a lot of New Zealanders is that we just play everything, don't we? So, um, you know, cricket genuinely takes you all around the world. It's not just Australia and England. Like later this year, we're going to West Indies. We've got South Africa next year. We've obviously been a lot to the subcontinent. So for any young young ones that, you know, love a bit of travel, um, you go to some pretty cool places. The money's obviously great, but just the opportunities, I think it's it's incredible. You talk to any of the white ferns and you talk about, you know, what are some of the great things about being part of this group absolutely you get to play cricket as a job which is it's pretty good but you get to hang out with your mates and you get to travel and you get paid for doing it so um look at the moment we've got to be realistic as well cricket probably isn't up there um as a preferred option with many young female athletes but again that's a little bit of my push look there's a few less numbers in cricket so if you want to improve your chances of earning a living playing cricket um but oh look i just think it is it's it's massive for us and hopefully can be a, a bit of a draw card for younger females and uh, you, you mentioned kind of the different experiences. I'm also keen to hear about your experience at, at Fairbreak because, you know, I'm really fascinated about it as a concept for growing the game. And, you know, I see there's plans to, for it to continue. I guess apart from adding another winner's medal to your, your collection, how, how was that experience? And, and I guess how different is that than something like the WBBL or, you know, maybe an, an IPL for, for women if the BCCI get off the off the ground for, for next year yeah look it was um it was unbelievable to be perfectly honest like I, I was probably a little bit skeptical at the start around how it was going to work and look I thought the concept was was brilliant to bring together players from all around the world um to play in a t20 comp in Dubai firstly I guess the logistics of it <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I wasn't on that side of it to I think they said there was yeah what 30 odd countries or something represented so um but to get there and just to be involved with players from literally every corner of the globe was really refreshing for me. I think sometimes we can get caught in our, I guess, our little bubble and our own problems and, you know, but to, you know, be playing alongside someone from Nepal and from Malaysia and, you know, from Austria where I didn't even know they played cricket was just unbelievable. And, you know, it sounds really corny and cliche, but it genuinely does, like, cricket brought us together and we shared that language and we could bond over that and you know the friendships that we made are going to certainly um I actually got a message from Sita the the girl from Nepal this morning wishing me good luck for com games which do you know what I mean like just that sort of stuff is so cool and um yeah I guess to be able to share my experience with them and, and hopefully improve them but they also improved me too like they just certainly gave me a bit of perspective that they just love the game of cricket um and how passionate they were it, it certainly rubbed off on me I know having Katie Martin and my team as well we just absolutely loved it um so certainly if if things work out we'd love to be involved again and, and hopefully the, I guess the concept can grow and get bigger and to offer more females the opportunity to play cricket alongside you know I guess players from the the bigger nations um because yeah I think there was probably a couple of players that you know I'd be probably shoulder tapping to get involved in the big bash or in the IPL and stuff like that which is fantastic and that's what you want because 
they're just screaming out for opportunities to play. That's the biggest thing that I took. They just want to be playing more cricket, and they're obviously a lot of them are, you know, a bit inhibited by their boards or whatever or the opportunities. So any chance to to get them involved, I think, um, is certainly something that's really important moving forward. Before we let you go, Sophie, just to check in, are we going to see you at the hundred this year after the Com Games, and then back to the to the Perth Scorchers for the WBBL? If if followers can can follow Sophie Devine's career fortunes along the next summer. Yeah, look, it's it's going to be a bit of a busy period actually. Um, yep, so we'll head a, head along to Birmingham Phoenix, which is great. Um, obviously, having played the Com Games at Edgebaston, we'll be really familiar with it and. Obviously, having Ben as the head coach there as well, we've um, you know we've done that well. Bit of a package deal now, I think. Me and Ben, um, excellent. So that's going to be really exciting. And then yeah, head back to Perth, which um, obviously after winning the title last year, it's it's going to be a massive challenge to back that up. But that's certainly something that 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 group is, is wanting to do, and and we're starting to get a really strong list together, which I think is important in those competitions because every year it just gets better and better and the players that are involved are you know outstanding so yeah look it's a, a big couple of months coming up um but certainly looking forward to it well sophie thank you very much for spending a few moments with us here on the top order podcast as you build towards the commonwealth games in birmingham in 2022 on behalf of all new zealanders that are backing the white ferns we do hope that you bring home a medal preferably gold but any color will do so th- sophie divine thank you so much for joining us here on the top order podcast Cheers. Thanks for having us, guys.